Hello. Hello. Welcome, Welcome to the, to the same, same Sports Podcast, podcast where you'll you find, find talks from our Sunday services. services. For more, more information, information, feel free, free to check out our website, Thank you. So, uh, I'm Ali. Great to be here with you this evening. I um, work for the Diocese of Guildford. Uh, I am a mission enabler for youth. And um, I've been involved in youth ministry for about 20 years. And it's, it's such a joy to be with you this evening. Um, I just want to read before we get going, our verses again, uh, from, one, from John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I want to take you back this evening to a story from the distant past, a story from a time that few of us may recall. It's now a long-forgotten memory. It's a story from 2017. A story about an imaginary restaurant that became the actual top-rated best place to eat in all of London. Uh, An internet blogger um, used to earn an extra bit of income, £10 at a time, writing fake reviews for restaurants and submitting them to TripAdvisor. The restaurants would pay him not to come to their restaurants, but write positive reviews in the hope that the reviews would lead to more actual customers coming. Uh, He became obsessed with monitoring the ratings of his restaurants that he was reviewing, and he would like to watch them rise up the TripAdvisor rankings. Over time, he became convinced that most of the reviews on these websites were fake. And so one day, sitting in his garden shed at the back of his house, he came up with an idea to expose the nonsense of these rankings. His plan was to turn his garden shed into the number one best-ranked restaurant in all of London. So the first thing he did was he cleaned out his shed, he uh, tidied his garden, he bought a mobile phone and listed the restaurant as by appointments only on TripAdvisor and not giving the address. He created a website, took some incredible soft-focus food photos and um, submitted some forms to TripAdvisor. He started out with his restaurant ranked 18,149, the worst restaurant in London. Over the next couple of weeks, his garden shed uh, became uh, ranked in the top 10,000 eateries in the capital as he got his friends and colleagues to write fake reviews. But he didn't stop there. The mobile phone started to ring. Someone who'd heard about the restaurant desperately wanted a table. Answering the phone, our fake restaurateur lies and says, we're booked solid for the next six weeks. The next day, another booking comes in, and it's also turned down. What's more is that the shed has now risen to 1,456 in the rankings. The appointments-only policy... And the lack of an address give it an exclusive enticement 
that lots of people want to come and um, gather at this restaurant. And over the coming weeks, the phone rings non-stop, and everyone is told there's no space. By the end of August, the Shed is ranked the 156th best restaurant in London. Over the summer, the phone continues to ring and ring. PR agencies get in touch. The council even want to relocate the shed into a new development they're planning. And as October arrives, this imaginary restaurant hits number 30. Now the phone is ringing non-stop, off the hook. And a few reviews later, the restaurant on the 1st of November becomes the number one top-rated restaurant on TripAdvisor. And so rather than just have a fake imaginary restaurant, our blogger decides to open for one night. He accepts a few bookings, makes the place look great, gets his friend Joe to be the head chef, hires a DJ to play some kitchen sounds to make it sound authentic, ropes in a few friends and other actors to play their part in the elaborate hoax, and then he pops down to Iceland and spends £31 on ready meals for his guests. And for two whole weeks, he opened night after night. This fake restaurant in his back garden in Dulwich became the best place to eat in all of London. And um, that's a bit of fun, really. But the amazing rise of the shed, this, this restaurant in a backwater part of London, is all about human effort, ingenuity and deception. It's a story about fake reviews and false news, or false reviews and fake news. It's a story involving actors, a story that will probably have imitators, but actually won't last long in the memory. It will all be forgotten. But we're here today because there's another amazing story, one even more remarkable, one that has changed and still changes the course of history. A story that probably also started in a shed, but one for cattle, not food. A story not of human effort, not of fake news and reviews, but a story that is earth-shatteringly good, based in reality, and one that sets the story of this person called Jesus in motion, a story of hope, of transformation, of light and life. And we heard earlier John summing up this earth-shattering news in the statement, the word became flesh. At the end of his introduction to the good news about Jesus, the Apostle John writes, the word became flesh. That's how he concludes his introduction to Jesus. The word became flesh. Just let those words sink into you for a moment. Ponder them in your mind. The word became flesh. These words are so deep, so profound. They're shocking. They claim something almost absurd, far more ridiculous than a fake restaurant. And I just want to zoom in on one of these words this evening. I want us to do a one-word Bible study on the third word in this statement. The word became. Let's think about that. Became. I want to suggest that this word is the good news in miniature. God's saving plan in just six letters. Became is a compound word. 
It's two other words joined together. The word be and the word came. And let's look at them. Firstly, there's a bit of history to this word be. Way back in Exodus, God appeared to a man named Moses through a burning bush and called him to be part of his rescue plan for Israel, to lead them out of oppression that the Egyptians were forcing them to live under. And during a conversation between Moses and God, God reveals something to Moses that he hadn't revealed to anyone else before. In that moment of dialogue between God and Moses, God spoke his name. Before this, God was referred to as Elohim, the supreme one or strong one. But this was more of a title than God's name. No one knew God's name and no one had even dared to ask. Until that is Moses, this self-exiled prince full of doubt and worry and confusion, when asked by God to undertake a quest to free Israel, said, I don't know if I can do what you ask God. Why would anyone listen to me? And even if they did, who shall I say has sent me? And God replied, Say to the Israelites, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent sent me to you. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have sent you to them. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so in this amazing moment, God reveals something incredible to Moses. He reveals something powerfully intimate. He reveals his name. And he says, you shall call me I am. And in Hebrew, we're going to do a little bit of Hebrew just there, uh, the word I am is higher And it comes from the back of the throat. And it carries the idea of the breath of God. It reflects the idea that God is the life-giving source of everything. And so God says his name is Haya. I am, I am who I am. Or I will be who I will be. And it means whatever God is like, he is like it consistently. So, for example, if God says he is compassionate, he is compassionate all the time. If he is gracious, he is gracious all the time. If he is the light bringer, he is the light bringer all the time. And so when God refers to himself, he does so in the first person. He says, I am higher, or I am. But when people refer to God, they're to refer to him in the third person. We call him Yahweh which means he is, or you are, or you will be. The name God asks us to call him from generation to generation is Yahweh. You will be. And the first two letters of our gospel in one word tell us that the one John is talking about is Yahweh. The word be arrived as flesh, as a human God turned up. Throughout his introduction, John is making this point over and over again. He describes Jesus as the word, the light, the life, ideas only attributed to God himself. He wants us to know that Jesus is more than a man, more than a prophet, more than a Messiah. John wants us to know that the one his gospel centers upon is Yahweh, the one true God. I am 
or you will be. That's who is present in Jesus. And Jesus, later on in John's Gospel, says of himself, before Abraham was born, I am. He takes this title for himself. And so the good news of Jesus is that the breath of the Creator, the Hire of the Creator, the Holy God, the Rescuer of Israel is present in this baby born in this manger, in Jesus. In that shed was a baby that contained the full measure of God. I am or you will be is Jesus. And if we go back to the second half of our gospel in one word. We've done the word be, let's look at the word came. The good news isn't just that there is a be, but that this be came. Be approached, he appeared, he arrived, he turned up in our reality. And God didn't just arrive like a sorry I couldn't be there video from some pop star too big for the little award show he's been invited to. He didn't just send a message or leave a hint in the clouds. Rather, God himself came. He took on flesh. He came with skin. He became like us. God was born into a body like yours and mine. And this wasn't just like a trading places body switch for a couple of weeks or a fake restaurant that appeared for a night. Rather, for around 33 years, I will be lived among us, experiencing what we experience and feeling what we feel. Yahweh, the Supreme One, was born, breathed, ate, laughed, cried, shouted, whispered, felt isolation, abandonment, closeness, frustration, love, friendship. And what's more, if we go back to verse 14, we read that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or as the message translates it, God moved into the neighbourhood. Be came by joining us in the mess and chaos and confusion of life. He got up close and personal. And so this word came indicates to us that he is like us. He experiences life like us. And as a result, Jesus and in, in Jesus, God became knowable, relatable, personal in a whole new way. The strong one, the supreme one, the creator of the universe arrived so that we could know him, find out about him and do life with him. He physically, emotionally, historically and geographically became the friend of people like you and me. <coughs> people who mess up, who overcomplicate life, who hurt others and ourselves. Be came to relate to us, to build relationship with us, to lead us out of darkness and into the light of life with him. And I think this is something of the significance, significance behind the reality of this word, becoming flesh. God joins us in the mess and darkness of life, and he seeks to reveal his glorious light-giving presence to us. And he offers us this hope in our darkness. When we're alone, when we've got those questions around, should I be happy? Should I be at peace? Jesus comes to us in that place. 
A few years ago, I was camping with my youngest son in Snowdonia. And on the first night, at about two in the morning, I awoke and I had that horrible moment where you realise that it's two o'clock in the morning, it's cold outside and you need the loo. And I was like, oh, I just don't want to go. But in the end, I, I decided I need to get up, otherwise it's going to be a long night just tossing and turning. And so I traipsed off to the toilet, which had this bright light marking the way, marking the entrance. And I did my business and I came out and then I realised I hadn't brought a torch or my phone with me. And on my way back from the toilets, where there was this light, I realised that it was really dark, pitch black. And I tried to walk in the right direction to find the tent that my son was sleeping in. And I thought I was making a good job until I fell into someone else's tent, tripped over a guy rope, and then walked straight into someone's car. (laughs) I became completely disorientated in the complete darkness. And I ended up somehow in some woods on the edge of the campsite that I hadn't even noticed before. And then I started to panic. Fear started to seep into my reality in that moment. As the darkness surrounded, I realised I was completely lost. And I was worried that my son would wake up in the tent, realise I was missing, and then he would panic. And so my panic got worse and I found myself in this cycle of panic. And um, I had no idea where I was. I couldn't find my tent. I couldn't see it. I was surrounded by this darkness. And in that moment, as I worked out what I was going to do, someone else came out of their tent and the tiniest little bit of light lit up enough of the campsite that I could get my bearings, reorientate myself and find my way back to the tent. The light led me in the right direction. The light gave me a way. The light brought hope where I was beginning to panic and despair. And I wonder whether some of us feel like we're in that place at the moment. The darkness feels like it's surrounding us. Maybe panic has set in a little bit. We feel alone and isolated, lost and disorientated. Yeah, I want to remind you this evening that because B came and because he is the light for all humanity, we no longer have to be overwhelmed or confused. We no longer have to face despair. The light of Jesus is available to us. God has turned up in our reality. B came and he wants to draw alongside us in the mess and confusion of life. Reveal his light and give us new direction. He is the lifelight and he offers us hope in the mess and confusion of life. And this is how John begins speaking about the arrival of this baby. Be came. The creator took on flesh in order to lead us out of the confusion and darkness of life. B came to bring light and life to our situations. B came and he promises to draw close. B came and his light and life are available to you this Christmas. And B came. And there is an invitation to know him, 
either deeper or for the first time this evening, to have his lifelight lead you and bring you hope. And as you think about that, I just want to read some words before the band come up and lead us in a song. These are a little reflection on those verses that we read at the beginning. In the beginning was the word, the first sound ever to be heard, the creative expression that gave birth, the word spoke and life emerged. The creative word so deep, profound, in it the life of God is found. The one who sits enthroned and crowned looked at the world and then stepped down. The word dismayed at humanity's plight, saw the hurt, the pain, the struggle and fight. Compassion filled his heart of life and the word took on flesh in the dead of night. And so God above, Yahweh, King of kings, the maker of the universe, brings himself to earth as angels sing to deal with sin and death's cold sting. Like one of us, the creator came, took on himself humanity's frame. As a baby in a manger lay, the life of God rests in the hay. The word became flesh. The great I am entered life's mess. He came, became to redress, to ask us to acknowledge, confess. Everything God ever wanted to say was embodied in this little babe. The great I am in creation's play. The word took flesh. The word became. A nowhere town, a backwater place. Nothing good ever came from Nazareth's space, but that all changed its regret, disgrace, removed as God came to embrace. The starflinger, Wrapped in swaddling clothes, human blood in God's veins flows. God stepped down, life he chose, I am appeared, all fingers and toes. God was born like you and me, DNA mixed with divinity. He felt like we feel, saw like we see, took upon himself humanity. God arrived in the neighbourhood, dwelt among us where we stood, perfection, hope, complete peace, good the Holy One in a cradle of wood. The eternal life took a birth date so he could rescue and relate, draw alongside, make our path straight, join with us, become our soulmate. Where we are lost, alone and weak, where life feels cold, situations bleak, the word of life did more than speak. He came close, joined us cheek to cheek. Because he commits our insecurities fade. We no longer need to be dismayed because the full measure of God in Jesus is contained. The word took flesh, the word became. Shall we stand? We hope you have enjoyed listening to this talk. We have a series of other podcasts available from our Sunday services. For more information, please visit our website, stpools.co.uk. Thank you.